Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eCampus's news podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in higher ed tech this month. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. It's the first episode of 2023. Happy New Year. In this episode, we look at some content that focuses on the ultimate customer in higher education, the student. Let's dig in. First, some results from a student focus group conducted by WCET and the Ohio State University's Office of Technology and Digital Innovation that should give institutions a better understanding of the information that students believe is most critical to know when making decisions about enrolling in digital learning courses. The focus group and its results are part of research on the definitions of digital learning conducted by WCET in collaboration with the Canadian Digital Learning Research Association and Bayview Analytics. The focus group came away with six takeaways. I'll share three of them with you now. For the full effect, be sure to go up to ecampusnews.com and check it out. So number one, students wanna know more about the technology required for digital courses before they enroll in them. They said the students are particularly interested in better understanding the tech tools and software they will need for the course, as well as how much those tools might cost. Number two, students want more information about digital courses specified in their institution's published course descriptions. Course descriptions often do not include critical digital learning information, the required technology, the instructor's expectations of student engagement, and additional costs. Students need to understand both what technologies will be used and whether or not their devices will be compatible with those technologies. Now, number three, students wanna see the digital course syllabi for digital courses before enrolling in them. Students wanna better understand the requirements and costs related to the digital aspects of a course prior to enrollment. This might include whether the course will be synchronous or asynchronous, the number of face-to-face sessions for hybrid courses, technology requirements for the course, And of course, materials are open sourced. So the the trend with these three takeaways, transparency. Students are more savvy and by the sound of it, more picky than the generations that came before them. Some good advice for administrators in this piece. Be sure to check it out. Next, Alicia Polosinski, she's the CEO and co-founder of Quatly, writes that with the right team and the right technology, institutions can drive innovation boost student success, and improve the overall student experience. Her piece is called Overcoming Barriers to Online Completion. Search for it in the news feed up on ecampusnews.com. Here's an excerpt. She writes, a recent survey found that college students confront three roadblocks to on-time graduation, course availability, transfer, and degree pathway. On the course availability front, Many students indicated that they are waitlisted for the courses they need for on-time completion. 57% of current students were waitlisted and unable to take at least one class they needed to graduate on time. 41% of current students were forced to find classes at another institution. And then 22% of recent graduates said that they had changed their major or minor because the courses they needed to graduate were not available. Higher education institutions need to partner with others, she writes, to improve their finances and their value proposition. To activate this type of collaboration, higher education systems, consortia, and institutions 
are increasingly turning to course and program sharing platforms to create new pathways to student success, solve transfer challenges, grow enrollment, and eliminate manual processes. She goes on, course and program sharing is a strategy where two or more institutions collaborate to make their courses available to each other's students to count for credit at their home institution. Course sharing can occur among public systems, consortia, and even individual institutions that opt in to a network of shared courses. A number of systems, including the California Virtual Campus, Montana University System, and the Idaho State Board of Education, have successfully implemented the technology to resolve issues that were impacting their experience. She goes on to list important steps to consider when implementing these courses and program sharing ideas to overcome roadblocks to on-time completion. She goes into much greater details on these particulars. Be sure to give it a read. And finally, one of the things that students really seem to be clamoring for, especially post-pandemic after maybe 18, 20 months of sitting in their rooms playing video games, is the idea of esports being integrated to their college experience. Now, everyone has heard the term esports, but do you know what it entails? I recently had a session where we talked about the what, why, who, and how of esports, plus some steps to get school started. And that came directly from Lenovo Senior Global Esports and CTE Manager, Jeff Palumbo. Also in the conversation was Lee Hyde, Director of ITS ResNet and the co-director of the Carolina Esports Program at UNC Chapel Hill, and Victor Gomez. He's the adjunct professor of Stillman School of Business and the manager of Seton Hall University Esports at Seton Hall. Here's a snippet. Uh, Jeff, I assume each institution will have different levels of where they're getting started and you know where they're going. Talk a little bit about your experiences there when it comes to those initial installs. Yeah, I've obviously worked with both Lee and Victor as they were building out their programs, which has been awesome, especially since you know I graduated from Syracuse. So having working directly with Seton Hall and UNC has been interesting at the, at the least. Uh, <laughs> but I wore blue today. I wore both color blues to show solidarity. There's no orange here. I think the, the big thing that I usually do is I ask a lot of questions. And those questions are usually not product-based till the very end. Product is relatively simplistic. To Victor's point, if you know what games you're playing, you kind of know what PC you're going to get. The one thing that we want to make sure is that you're not overspending. If you're playing League of Legends, you do not need an RTX 3090. It just is, you can have one, congratulations, it's great, but it just, it's overkill for what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to render, you know, the ultra spec on Call of Duty in 4K and record it, you're probably getting more into that 3090 range or even something with a quadro card in order to kind of splitting it into one is gameplay and one is actually recording just because it's so intensive on the systems. And I think actually Victor and uh, Lee both have that set up now because of that exact opportunity. But usually what I tell people is, how are you going to manage this space? We get into a lot of operations management. You know, do you know that you have to update your games every Tuesday? And, you know, normally that's not a big deal, but sometimes they're like, we have to do what now? And if you have 38 PCs with 40 plus games on a Tuesday at noon, you're potentially pulling down over a terabyte of data right during the day, and IT is going to be fuming. So that's where the subnet comes in. That's where you know dedicated lines come in, things of that nature. But it also comes from 
what do you want to do? Do you want to update those manually? Are you going to have staff that, that, that does it? Are you going to have graduate assistants? What does that look like? Um, do you want it to be automated? Both Victor and Lee at UNC and, and Seton Hall use a Pixie Boot system um, with GG Rock. So we have they have the ability to update on the fly and it auto updates as well. They can push an update, but it kind of takes that operations piece off and makes it automated. The other piece is how are you going to staff it? What hours is this going to be open? Um, are students going to have it for free? Do they have to, to pay a little bit? Are you going to have times where it's general public and then it's times for varsity? And then also engagement strategy. How are you going to get, get this out across campus? How are you going to make sure that there's something that's consistent in a schedule so students know that on Tuesday nights is open game night um, and on Thursday nights is come try a new game and every, every week is a new game for them to try. Because you're really... To Lee's point, it's really about the students and student success comes in multiple formats. Do they wanna be there? Do they feel as though they are part of the, the culture and the environment at, at their university? So they're not transferring after a couple of years. They wanna stay for four or be, or be there for a fifth year or even want to become a leader within the space because you know maybe they, they don't wanna be varsity but they would love to do the social media for the team or something like that. There's all those opportunities, but that environment and the success that has to come from it has to be from the school. And that's what Lee was talking about. You really have to design what you want first, next, and then product is super easy. It's a five-minute conversation. You determine what games you're playing, what graphics card you should use for those, and how long do you want it to last. And you're, you're pretty much done. When it comes to great layouts, Victor started, like he said, in a basically a sublet room with internet and that's how the program started and a lot of them do a lot of them don't have space yet in order to actually have a dedicated space on the esports campus which is where both lee and victor have have worked with their campuses in order to get that you know at unc chapel hill they gutted an entire old part of a residence hall that used to be a computer lab if i'm not mistaken that people hadn't used in years and retrofitted the entire thing and they both look amazing However, to start, you really need six PCs and two consoles. If you want to listen to the full conversation, go up into the webinar tab at eCampus News and search for the title, eSports is Upgrading. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eCampus News for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the higher ed, ed tech space. Remember, eCampus is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eCampus News.